This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. One of the things that I've experienced in my over my career were people kind of mistaken kindness for weakness. Where's the line there between kindness and weakness as you see it? So I ask a lot of questions and then I show up in kindness and in strength. I generally, I generally call it out. So most often I say this, this may come from a position of weakness, but I just want to let you know, I'm showing kindness by doing X, Y, and Z. I always start with, don't take my kindness for weakness because I could blah, 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 blah. I choose not to. I say those things out loud. If you stop talking after you say that, you will see, but you have to be calm enough and still enough to watch and engage and not be uncomfortable with not talking. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Stephanie Malik. You are a serial entrepreneur that spearheaded multi-million dollar acquisitions and mergers over your career while working with more than 11 startups globally. After a business transformation, you founded S. Malik Enterprises with a single goal in mind to help others and promote change through your proven strategies and methodologies. You are a business strategist and crisis expert for top executives at companies such as Nike, United, PwC, and Amex. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Wow. We, uh, we have really been connecting in, in so many different ways, both virtually, and I was on your podcast recently. Now you're, now you're on my podcast. So it's so much fun to connect with you. And I just want to start out by saying, number one, thank you for being the person you are because you are authentic. And that's what we like to show on our show, American Real, is the essence of, of, of someone's existence. And you, that that is you, that is who you are. Thank you very much. And, and you know, for good or bad, that's very true. It's, it resonates with some and some people maybe bristle a bit. <laughs> Yeah, no. And actually, I was looking at um, your LinkedIn feed today, and I didn't have to go very far because when I looked at your post from today, you talked about relationships and that relationships are everything. And it's so true. The older I get, the more I really appreciate my close relationships, as well as value new relationships, because you could just tell when people are authentic. How, how important have relationships been over your successful career and even more recently with your new business? So that's such an amazing question. And I'm going to answer it in a couple different ways. Um, you know, Roger, you know, I believe in being super honest and very transparent. Okay. When the pandemic happened, I realized I had done a horrible, horrible job at new relationships. Um, I'd been in business for 25 years. There was so many people. In fact, I, one day I played a game and I was like, how many people could I text who would text back? So like, Hey Roger, how are you? I hope you and so-and-so are doing well. And I got 97% return. Wow. Um, and some of these people are people I hadn't talked to in five or six years. Wow. So great to hear from you. What I had done a really poor job in is bringing new relationships in and I want to quantify that by saying relationships, not networking. Networking is um, like experiences, like knowledge, like challenges. Relationships are something that you spend a lot of time giving to and fostering and being around and just constantly giving and really getting to know different perspectives. Those are very different. So I had done a really bad job before the pandemic of actually adding new relationships into people that I invest in, people that I actually care about. And so I set out on a mission that I was going, going to intentionally look for 10 new people to contact every single month and make one or two of them a relationship. We're you know, in December now, um, 
I have about 126 people that I'm in contact with once a week, if not more that I'm giving to and helping every single day. Relationships are everything and being intentional with who you connect with is everything. Wow. No. And I could attest to that because you have helped me in the short time that we've known each other. You have literally helped me. And I thank you for that. And um, I don't know if I'm part of that uh, group of 126, but I can attest to it that um, that genuineness is felt. And I think that it's, it's important to talk about because if someone is not aware of, just like you say you were, right? You, you went for a long time without building the relationships, the new relationships, then, then where do you go, right? Where do you, where do you go from there? How do, you, how do you start to rebuild? And I like your plan. You set out to build, relation, build relationships. So for people that are listening, if they need to do the same thing, can you talk a little bit more about your technique? How did you, how did you begin the process? Yeah. So, so one of the things that I, that I had to get good at that I wasn't good at, I, I'm not, I'm not amazing at niceties. So I'm not amazing at, Hey Roger. Oh my gosh. It's been so long. Great tie. How's work going? I'm, I'm not great at that. I'm, I'm great in Roger. What is up with you? What's going on? Your, your posts or your texts seem off. Call me by the way, if you don't call me, I'm going to stalk you to death until you do call me. Um, and I'm, I'm one of those people where I'm not going to let you off the hook. And I hope you would not let me off the hook at all. I hope you would be able to hear in my, in my, in my messaging that something was off. There's so much hurt. There's so much pain. There's so many people that don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Be intentional and ask the intentional question. I'm kind of prying is out the door for me. People need to be pried into, even if it's for nothing else, but a listening ear. So let me tell you how I did it. Um, I'm not overly social. We've talked about this. I'm, I'm much more of an introvert. Um, I'm not, my daughter says you're extremely awkward in coffee conversations, which is true. Um, I'm not a good small talk person. I'm passion, purpose, development, education, growth, and doing all of those things through kindness. So I had to take a step back and I had to say, what is really, really, really important to me? Like what, what drives me every day? Okay. Kids. Um, number one, um, health number two, um, and then three business. And so then I, I basically siloed those things. I was like, okay, when I say kids, what, well, two of my kids have huge learning differences. So I started looking at learning differences like autism and ADHD and, um, executive function. I started looking at different groups and I said, Hey, I'd like to contribute. Hey, I'd like to help. I didn't want anything. I just wanted to contribute. I wanted people to feel normal in their story. I wanted to normalize the pain, the fear, the, the nervousness of teaching children at home and feeling like a failure. Hello, right here. And so I started looking at that other thing, sex trafficking, um, um, awareness around sex trafficking. And people always think, oh, it's not my kid. And then you pull up a, a link and it was, oh yes, in your port 27 miles away from your home or from your kid's sister high school. It's right there. Okay. And so I wanted to just reach out and say, I'm here, use me however you want. Here are some of my relationships. Here are some of my, here's some of my reach. And I started being very intentional with, with joining certain groups, not to join them, not to like collaborate, not to like do this big giant thing, but just say, Hey, I'm here. And if somebody wants to have an intentional conversation or needs to vent or needs to fall apart, I may possibly have those resources in mind that could, could that could help you. And then I started being active. And I, again, you know, me talk about all my failures as, as well as my wins. Um, I, I might have gotten a little bit obsessive and maybe contributed a little bit too much, like 20 times a day. Um, and then I burned myself out. So then I was, now I was in 10 groups and I was contributing 20 times a day. And like, when do you make money? When do you, when do you actually have a revenue? When do you pay attention to your clients? So I did, I started scaling back and I started kind of doing a quote of a day information without application is noise. Here's what I mean. And then links that would help them go, oh gosh, this resonates, you know, for any other questions or any other help DM. And then I set up a team to actually answer those DMs. So I became really intentional through who I was connecting with and how I was giving. And, and Roger, you know, I have a formula, give, 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 give. When you take, or when you ask, make sure it's something intrinsically easy for that person to give you. 
So make sure it's a Roger thing. If I'm asking you, it's a Roger thing. It's not Roger has to go talk to his wife or go has to talk to his business partner, or maybe has to go talk to a, a relationship. It's something that Roger can do. So I don't put Roger in a bad spot. Wow. Well, there's a lot there. Uh, there's a few things I'd like to ask you off of that. So first of all, where does this come from? When, like, where, who mentored you or who did you follow that had this giving mentality that you picked up on? So, so Roger, you, you know, I had a really tumultuous childhood. Um, I lost my father very, very young. I never knew him. Um, he was in a horrible drowning accident. Very, very young. My mom had a complete psychotic break. I was emancipated at 15 years old and completely on my own, married very young, had a baby very young, was divorced very young. And what I have learned through the pandemic and reconnecting with those, I always say with my adult supervision, because I was so young, I had a baby at 22. Um, and, and when I look at my 27 year old and thinking I had a five-year-old, it's mind boggling for me. Yeah. The only thing in my head at that time, Roger, that I had going for me, cause, cause I lived right next to Stanford. So all of the people that were applying for the entry level jobs, they were Stanford grads or they were Berkeley grads and they were really, I mean, I couldn't compete there. Most of the time I was the only woman in the room. Most of the time I was the youngest in the room. I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Stanford. So I had to really show up in tenacity, grit, work ethic, um, and, and, and ask great questions. And only one of those came really easy for me. So the grit and the tenacity was really easy. I'd been on my own for so long. Working was easy. That's I can do that. Working in a predominantly male dominated industry around business, around strategy, alliances, software, tech, I believed in making men, mentors, allies, not enemies, asking really strong questions, saying, hey, I really want to knock this out of the park and make you look amazing. Um, can you help me? And so many of these men put me in contact with incredible women for mentors and guides that were just so happy that I was asking the questions. And so the men helped just as much as the women did. And, and Roger, it wasn't easy. And I, I felt like an idiot so much of the time because I was just so young, but they never, ever gave up on me. And I worked really hard, but they worked really hard and they had a lot of faith in me. They had a lot of belief in me. And I want to give that back to as many people as possible because so many people believed in me. That's so awesome. What, what a great story that you shared with us. And I, I think one of the things out of that is that in general, people are genuinely good, aren't they? For sure. At, at heart. For uh, sure. Now it could be cutthroat. It could be competitive, but to me, it's about the approach. It's about how, how do you interact with people? What, you know, how do you make them feel? What questions are you asking them um, to, you know, break down any potential barriers? And it sounds like you learned very young to do that very well. Yeah. And, and Roger, you know what, to what you just said, here's the funny thing is, is um, good and bad. Cause this is one of my flaws. Um, I always think everything's my fault. Okay. So like when something blows up, I'm like, gosh, what could I have done differently? What is it? What, are, what how did I blow this? It's always, in, it's always internal. It's a woman thing. Women are like that, but you have to embrace it. You have to embrace, okay, how do I process this a little differently? So sometimes when you're talking about this and asking really, really great questions, you're right. People are innately good. They're really good. But when they're bad, I often think they're bad by circumstance. Mm. Something happened to them. Somebody hurt them. Somebody was mean to them. Somebody, um, you know, did something that betrayed them or maybe two or three or four situations happened. And now that person is hardened or calloused towards good people coming into their life. Yeah. I ask those questions. Uh, it's very silent. It's extremely deafening. Sometimes you see people, you know, like run the other way. Whenever I ask the question, they're like, oh God, Stephanie's going to ask a question. Um, and it's really, it's actually really funny, but I will walk in and I have no problem talking to a president or a CEO who everybody's terrified of and going, what is your deal? Like you are like insanely pissing people off. Like, how are things at home? And, and people are like, oh, I'll get coffee. coffee. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I'm not nervous to look you in the eye and talk to you about it. I'm not nervous. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to shame you. I'm not going to do that. 
I want to get to the heart of it. I want you to feel joy and happiness around all of those lovely, amazing people that are around you. So I will ask the hard questions and I have no problem with it. That's so great. That is so great. And it's a unique quality. Not many people can do that and do it well. So uh, I commend you for that. But it reminds me, I don't watch too much TV, but my, my wife happened to have on Netflix one night this week. I think it was maybe Tuesday night. And it was in the middle of this movie called, I think it was called The Shack. I don't mm. know if you've ever seen The Shack. Mm-mm, I haven't. I don't watch TV very much either. Yeah, so. it, it was a movie, so it was, but it was on Netflix. And it was interesting because it was of this person who, um, whose daughter was, um, was kidnapped and killed. So, <sighs> so the, the whole movie was about, you know, why did that happen? He was blaming God and he was blaming everyone. Oh, yeah. But then he kind of went to the other side and it was really interesting how he interacted with God, who, you know, was, was the actor or actors. And, um, it, but the thing that came out of that is that I, it, it kind of taught me something this week in that what you said earlier, you never know what people are going through. Yeah. Including that person that kidnapped your daughter. Like yeah. what, what did their father do to them? Yeah. So it just makes you think about every interaction. And if someone is unhappy or if someone's not treating you right or others, right, there's, there's definitely something much deeper behind it. So Roger, I'm going to tell you something I haven't told anybody. I've, I've never, this just happened to me. I had, I recently was on somebody's podcast. Um, I followed this person's content for the last couple of years. This person is on it. Like I, I, when I just said that, I just got chills. Like this person just like connects every single dot. He takes the the most complex situations and he makes them so easy. And when he asked me to be on his podcast, I freaked out. I was like, I, this is like, this is just so amazing. Um, and when I got on the podcast, it was, it was incredible. It was really, really good. Don't get me wrong but he was very different than how I had seen him. And so one of the things for me in doing this podcasting thing, and I don't know if it's the same for you, I would love to hear is you see these people, you see them on videos and you see them on YouTube and you see them on LinkedIn. And then they come on your show or you on their show and they're completely different. Okay. So for me, when people will come on my show, Roger, they would say, wow, it's so God, Stephanie, you're exactly like your videos. And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, that's just, that's great. And I was like, what? Like, are people different? I, apparently people are different. This is the first time it had happened for me. He was amazing. Everybody else would have thought he was like a 10. Okay. But me from an NLP standpoint, from a behavioral specialist standpoint, I, w- I felt like he was disappointed in our interview. Wow. And so I was so bummed out. Like I was like, I literally was like, I, my daughter's like, oh, you're so awkward and weird. Um, but we got off and he was like, he looked at me and he goes, that was such an incredible interview. And, and I was trying to keep it. Like, I was like, that's thank you. You know, I really, really appreciate it. He said, I want to apologize for canceling last minute a few times. He's like, I I really want to apologize. And I was like, Oh, no problem. You know, things come up, you know, whatever he's like, um, I have stage four brain cancer. Oh my gosh. And, and for me to look at the screen, for me to look at zoom and see this man not flinch from looking at me, I was going to meet that energy without falling apart. And so I said, I I don't have any words and I would never be able to understand how you're feeling. Thank you so much for talking to me about it. And we stayed on for another hour and a half and had a conversation. And he ultimately invited me to come work with his company. Wow. But if I would have judged it, if I would have been like, oh, wow, it's just like all the, gosh, everybody tells me that sometimes it's really hard. I'm the one that put that guy on the pedestal. Yes. I'm the one that was like, this is like the absolute, this is the utmost. This is the ultimate. Okay. Not ever thinking one time what this person may have been going through in his life and, and everything else. And when he told me, I was so happy and joyful that I could be just there to listen and let him talk about anything. He apologized for his memory. He apologized if there were some questions that he had had to re-ask. Such an incredible human and such an incredible leader. Stage four brain cancer with a tumor and gets on to do a podcast with me. Yeah, just just incredible. Uh, and, you know, I think the one thing that 
we could all kind of get better at. And this is a great example that, that you just gave is that we tend to live in our heads yeah. all the time. We're living in our heads. It's, you know, we're not, we're not thinking about others. We're not being present. We're, we're assuming we're making, you know, casting judgment before we should. So that's why it's good to have these conversations. That's why yeah. I love doing these podcasts because they're not scripted, right? We no. have some bullet points we're going over. Right. We want to hit some, but it's these kinds of discussions that are important. And it, I tell people, people say, well, why do you, you know, why do you podcast? Like you don't make any money doing this and what, you know, why right. do you do it? The reason I do it is for conversations like this, because it helps me become a better person. And it helps others that are listening become better people. And that's why I do it. And that's why I love having these interactions. And I'm so happy you share that story. Yes, of course. So you said one other thing before we move on in there, and it's something I'm passionate about. You said the word kindness. Um, where, where in your journey, again, because not everyone has this in them especially at a young, you know, when you were young in your career, you mentioned that you, you had that trait of kindness. Where did that come from? So, so Roger, I don't think I had it. I don't, I don't think I was kind. I don't, I really don't. I don't think I was kind at all. I think I was tenacious and I think I was able to learn very quickly, but I didn't even, I was, I felt like I was treading water. I couldn't even like stop for a second to even think what kindness is. Um, I didn't really smile at anybody. I kind of had a bad attitude. I had a chip on my shoulder. I, 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 the, the world was out to get me and, you know, like all of this crap, like all of this narrative and this lens that I was seeing, it was just crap. It wasn't even real. Um, I think I started noticing kindness a lot when I started making really, really good money. And I started seeing what I wanted to do with my money that I thought everybody did with their money. And, and that's when I started to really notice a difference. Like whenever I would give somebody a, like a, a homeless person, when I would get, when I would go into Starbucks and I would buy them a full meal and a $20 gift card and I, or a warm blanket. Um, and, and my friends would be like, what are you doing? Like you're, you're contributing to the problem. You know, they're going to go buy drugs. If they go buy drugs, that's, that's on them. That's not, has nothing to do with me. I'm kind because of me. I'm kind because I want to make a difference in somebody else's life who maybe doesn't have a lot of kindness around them. I'm not kind for exposure. I'm not kind, just like I'm not nasty. Like yeah. I, you know, it's very well known. Anybody will tell you, I have no problem walking to a restaurant and getting absolutely horrible service and not leaving a tip. I have no problem with that at all. Um, but I also have no problem with ordering coffee and a nice pastry and leaving a hundred dollar tip. Like my husband will have a whole podcast on that. Um, but so, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind because I want to be kind. I want to leave that person or that human or that circumstance or that situation a little better than I found it. I want somebody to, to tell me, Trevor Houston told me after no one has ever made me feel so special in such a short time because I was so engaged. And I never broke eye contact and I wanted to hear his story. And I asked really great questions. I believe in that. I believe if you take sincerity and you take the approach into making somebody else better and asking nothing in return, that that makes me better as a human. I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it for me because that warm cup of coffee or that warm blanket or that warm meal or that smile or that, that embrace, maybe that's the last one they're ever going to get. Yeah. What, what is it? about our journey, our life journey, that it's almost like we need to go through the rough patches, the tough times, the stumbles, the falls to become better, to become better people, to become better parents, to become better spouses. Um, why can't we learn things through a book or why, why does it take the experience in your experience? Why, why is it that way? I think for me specifically, and I only want to speak for me because by the way, I do know people that you can tell them, don't touch that. That's hot. And they're like, Oh, thanks for telling me. And then they don't ever touch it. Right. I was not that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for me, I think knowing early on who you are and being accepting of evolving 
is key. I think setting yourself up with more no people in your arena Mm -hmm. than yes people, more people that will challenge you, more people will ask questions, more people that will expand your perspective, more people that will, um, that'll say no, that'll push back to make you greater than you are is so important for me. I think the reason why I had to go through so many hard knocks and disappointing knocks was, was simple. I think I was a product of my environment and, um, I think my mom tried incredibly hard. I think she tried incredibly hard, but with a mental illness and with not having the resources around, um, her to tell her to knock it off, um, because child abuse wasn't a thing back then. I think I just had to make sure that I was doing it properly or correctly, but I didn't have a strategic path. I didn't have a methodology to get there. I didn't have any, I didn't have anybody to look at to go, Oh yeah, that's, that's what I want to do. So I had to keep turning down a bunch of dark alleys. I think experience is everything. And it's, it's such, by the way, I'm the biggest hypocrite in the entire world because I'm so protective of my kids. I'm like, I'm just, I'm the worst. Um, instead of letting them go through the experiences that I did, their consequences, Roger are so much bigger than ours. Yeah. Thank God. I didn't have social media me on Snapchat. Not okay. In any way. (laughs) So, so, you know, I'm like, don't say that. Don't do that don't do, you know, I'm the worst. I'm just the worst. Like my daughter's like, mom, I'm going to be 30 in three years. I'm like, maybe hopefully you get there. She's like, God. (laughs) No, it's great. And it's just the one thing that's very neat about what you do. And I haven't seen this with anyone is you mix tenacity with kindness to be a standout. That's something that you have kind of orchestrated. And I love that. I love that about you that you have both traits and help help some of our listeners that are out there that are thinking about, okay, maybe they're too kind and they're just kind, or they're maybe they're too tenacious and, and they don't have that balance because they're really polar opposites in some ways. But if you could blend the two, there's magic there. I think it's incredibly crazy that you just said that because One of my biggest issues that I'm trying to challenges that I'm trying to overcome is when clients give testimonials about me, you want real testimonials, Roger, you know, this, we talk about business all the time. Okay. Like you don't want, like, I don't want somebody to come to me. I'm going to, I'm going to sign up for your book. Okay. And I don't want people to go, Roger's magical. Oh, (laughs) he's magical. I'm like, yes. How do I quantify that into ROI? Okay. My, I literally have this problem because it's, you just said it. Okay. So my clients are like, oh gosh, I would love to give a testimonial for Stephanie and everything that she did for me over this last year. And then, and then there's nothing. And they're like, she's magic. (laughs) (laughs) Knock it off. I'm like, what did I do for you? And they're like everything. And I'm like, oh God, absolute statements are not okay with me. Like, stop it. it. It's, it's an unintentional gift. It's an unintentional blessing, but it's also a curse. Okay. Because my CFO used to tell me you're an HR nightmare. Um, I call it as I see it. I'm very kind when I, when I say it, but I don't beat around the bush. I'm not an attaboy and a rah, rah and woo found my power. I'm, I'm not that person. I love men clients just as much as I love women clients. Um, I do everything based on merit and metrics. Mm -hmm. And if you're a woman, that's awesome. Let's use your strengths. And if you're a man, that's awesome. Let's use your strengths. So my, my advice to the people that are listening who are saying, maybe I'm too kind, or maybe I'm too not (laughs) say that ask, I say, survey your, this is what I say, survey the closest and the furthest. And I mean it. I have called people that hate my guts and I, 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 I hate like despise me. And I've said, what do you love? What do you hate? What bothers you? What did I do to Ralph your feathers? And they tell me, I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sometimes I send them something which really even pisses them off. Um, whatever. Um, and then, and then I talk to people about the kindness and the, the way that I make them feel special. I want to, I want to say a word of caution. I'm the least selfish person I've ever met in my entire life. It drives people insane, but it's a thousand percent genuine. 
So don't try to be kind. Understand why you're not feeling kindness. Understand where there are people that I go to coach Roger and I can see that they're a certain way. And I know that they're keeping this together because if they have one crack in this armor, they're going to fall apart. And it's not the right time because of revenue or maybe being a sole provider or maybe teaching their children at home. So how do you hold that together? How do you, how do you pull it together for them and, and let them know that you're holding them and you're supporting them? That's what your listeners need to do. They need to say, why am I not feeling kind or what am I avoiding that I'm feeling so kind? I'm living in what I say, la la land, or, you know, Mm. what does my daughter call it? Unicorn world. What are they feeling? What are they not dealing with at home? What are they not dealing with at the office that they're feeling like they have to distract into constantly spinning these rainbows? Get really centered with yourself. Get really, really centered and ask a lot of questions. What's the good? What's the bad? What, What made you feel special? What made you feel disrespected? What made you feel dishonored? And shut up and listen. Listen to what they say. Don't fight them. Don't combat them. Just listen. And then take that away and mull it over for three or four days and start writing a list. And you know what you'll see, Roger? You'll see the pattern. You'll see these five things really, really bristle people. This is who I am and I'm not willing to change. Okay. Or you know what? I think I could change three or four of those things. And maybe my bristle topics are only one or two. It really, it really depends on who you are inside and how much you're willing to kind of peel back all that stuff and go really deep. Wow. So smart and such a important topic. One of the things that I've experienced in my, over my career, because I feel I'm, I've been naturally kind at heart my entire life. Right. But I've also, you know, experienced where people kind of mistaken kindness for weakness. Where's the line there between kindness and weakness as you see it? So I'm going to be really unpopular right now. And I'm going to tell you it's completely different for men and women. So I'm just going to go out and say, um, it's very, very, very different. You know, one of the things I'll talk about, and you'll hear me say this in a lot of that in in public speaking engagements, if a man leaves work early to go pick up his son from baseball, he's a hero. And when a woman leaves work early to go pick up her son from baseball, she may not be as ambitious or tenacious as they had hoped she could be for being a senior executive. Hmm. We have stereotypes. That's okay. We just need to ask better questions in getting there. So for me, some of the things that I do, I like to mirror and find out. Um, I ask a lot of questions. I actually, I, to be completely fair and to be totally transparent with you, I, I, I actually think I kind of tick a lot of people off um, because I don't just show up for services. Yeah. Roger, you and I have a meeting and and you you're interested in business consulting or executive coaching, or you're interested in crisis. I don't just go, what would you, what would you like? You know, what are we, I don't have enough information. Maybe I'm too big for you. Maybe I'm too small for you. Maybe I'm too expensive. Maybe I'm not expensive enough. Maybe I'm not high profile enough. Maybe I'm too high profile. Who am I to walk in and present you with something when I have zero idea about you, your business, who you are, what risk you're trying to mitigate, how you're trying to grow. What are your current problems? What have you tried? What have you not tried? So I ask a lot of questions and then I show up in kindness and in strength. I generally, I generally call it out. So most often I say this, this may come from a position of weakness, but I just want to let you know, I'm showing kindness by doing X, Y, and Z. I always start with, don't take my kindness for weakness because I could blah, 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 blah. I choose not to. I say those things out loud and I watch and see their body language. I watch and see their eye contact, their engagement. I watch and see their process mechanism. I look at who they are and you will be able to tell. I don't care who your listeners are. Your listeners are intelligent. If you stop talking after you say that, you will see either joy, you'll see settling in, you'll see them kind of go like this and you see them settle in. You'll see fear like, oh God, what am I going to do next? You will see 
but you have to be calm enough and still enough to watch and engage and not be uncomfortable with not talking. Wow. Brilliant. See, this is why I love doing this because we learn through these conversations and I never thought of that. And I am going to use that as well. Um, Steph, so you, I was kind of smirking. I don't know if you saw me as you were talking, but uh, it brought up the memory of a story you shared with me. And I was wondering if you would share it with the audience. And that is you had a meeting when you were young, uh, starting your career with someone very important in the, (laughs) in the Oregon area. Um, Would you mind sharing that story? I that's, I'm happy to. So um, I was a part of a sales team, by the way, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, this is going to show you how, like I'm 27 million years old and I just have good skin. Um, but we used to have a book of lists. And so this, these lists would come, it was called the Hoover list and it would be, um, lists of executives and their contact information. And it would just say executive. So some of the time we were lucky for it to be a C-suite and it would say CIO or CTO or whatever, but most of the time it said executive, or it would say decision maker back in the day, many, many years ago. And so, um, I had a baby. And so I had, I went into the office very, very early and I had this list and we had to do a report, Roger, we, as I told you at the end of Friday, we, I think we had to have a hundred cold calls or whatever it was. And I found a lot of, um, positivity by calling these executives very early. Their gatekeeper wasn't there. They were like, couldn't believe that you were calling them so early. So, wow, you must be amazing. You know, all of these crazy little things that I have in my 22 year old head or 24 year old head. And so, so one day I call Nike and I get a hold of the executive that was listed and he was hysterical and he was like, you know what time it is? And like all these other things. And I was like, yeah. And then I'm following my, my script very closely. And today we're going to be blah, blah, blah. And it was ridiculous. Like when I look back on it, I literally, my ears ring, I cringe. I don't even know what I said, but whatever I said was stupid. Um, and so he says, and so I said, and so today we're selling and I don't even, I can't, it was so dumb. (laughs) And he was like, all right, I can see you on whatever date it was. And it was so far. It was like, you know, like I'm thinking about it now. I mean, it may, it may have been, it may have really been six weeks, but at that time I'm so young, you know, it may have been four months, five months. I don't really know, but I knew that it was, I had to do it so far in advance because you had to get travel approved and you had to like fly. And there's a lot of things that had to happen. And so I did that. And so I was like, okay, great. And so I, I went on my, on my day and the day comes and I'm going and, you know, I'm very proper in my super spiffy Tahari suit as I get on to the airplane and, and I get there and, uh, I walk in and I go to the front desk and they, I said, hi, I'm here to see, you know, so-and-so and they're, they like, look, she looks at me and she chokes. She's like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool. You know, like whatever. And she's like, hold on. And she's like, do you have an appointment? And I was like, yeah, no, I just flew from San Francisco. Cause I don't have an appointment. I mean, I'm sure I was awful. Okay. I was not nice. And so pretty soon this lady comes out and she's like, hi, she's like, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, oh, hi, you know, nice to meet you. And so then they take me into this room and they take me into this room that goes to another room that there were stairs. And then there was an elevator and there was a lot of hallways, Roger, there was lots of hallways. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, there's gotta be a more direct access. Like, this is so dumb. I'm making they're unprepared. They didn't know I was coming. They forgot. Like, I'm just, all of these things are going through my head. And then I turn the corner and this gentleman answers and he's very, he's not, I, I don't know. It, I, there was no social media. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't know. And I was like, Oh, Hi very weird. You have sunglasses on, but cool. You know, fine. So he shakes my hand and he goes, Hey, he's like, I'm Phil. And I said, Hey, Phil, nice to meet you. And so he looks at me and he looks past me. And then I see him make eye contact with the person who brought me and they are. And I'm like, what? And the woman says to me, do you, do you have, do you have, are you? And I'm like, and she's like, do you, is there people? Uh, and I was like, I don't know what this person is saying. Like, this is, these are old people. They should be able to talk. Right. And she says, do you, do you is there going to be people joining you? And I was like, no. And she was like, and then he goes, do you, do you have anything? Is there anything that you have? And I said, with all due respect, you guys, I'm struggling. I don't, what do I need? Like, I just want to, I just want to, and he goes, do you have a 
Do you have a pres- presentation? Do you have a thumb drive? Do you have a, and I was like, no. And he goes, no. And I said, Mr. Knight, with all due respect, I'm going to fly here and I'm going to open my jacket and go, which one of these widgets would you like? I said, does that happen for you? I said, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you've tried. I don't know anything about that. And I'm going to fly up here and I'm going to tell you an executive here at Nike what you need. And he looked at his, uh, his, I'm assuming assistant and says, can you cancel my next two appointments? And he's like, we're going to be going to have a meal. And so we did, and we had this amazing conversation. This guy's head was like this big and, and he was funny and he was like congenial and all of this other stuff. And so I just had a great time, but there was really, I mean, we ended up, he ended up being a client. They, they ended up being a client, not him. Um, because I do crisis and I don't want that rumor to start that he, he didn't, he was not a client. <laughs> um, we get, we get, I get back to where I'm going and, um, I am signing things that I, I think, I think dinner, I think the meal was a lot of money. Like it was like too much. And, and, um, when I got back and I got my expense report signed, I walked in and the president, I was talking to the president of the company and he like looked at the, the thing. And he was like, seriously, he's like, why don't you just say who you met with? And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, really Stephanie. And I was like, why is everybody like, I don't know what anybody's talking about. And he's like, really Phil Knight, really the CEO of Nike. And I was like, what? You had no idea. No, no clue. Zero clue. Like, like no, didn't know, didn't care. Super cool dude. Just didn't, didn't. And I, and you know what, Roger, first of all, number one, thank God I didn't know. Okay. Thank God. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the business acumen. I didn't have the executive presence. Thank goodness that I didn't know. But also too, I wouldn't have treated him any differently. I still would have asked him the questions. I still would have, I still would have been disgusted that somebody shows up with a presentation who doesn't know anything about his business or who he is or what he's going through or his trials or tribulations or risks or anything else and sell him just because of who he is. Just not who I am. Well, it's not every day that someone can say that they bought Phil Knight lunch and you did. Yeah, it was a fight. It was a struggle. That is so awesome. What a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I used to live out in, in Portland and, um, you know, that, that was back in the early 90s. So it was when Nike really started exploding. And right. it, was a, it was a fun place to be. The first Nike town was was right downtown Portland and um, it was just a, a, a great era. So I did hear, I don't know if you heard this story as a quick aside, I went to Portland state university for a while and he had hired a student from Portland state, paid them $500 to create the Nike swoosh. I don't know if you, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard that, but you know, Roger, as, as, as I get older and I start realizing that I mean, it's probably been about 10 years that these executives put their pants on the exact same way everybody else does. They're all looking for a a new way. They're all looking for new talent. I mean, you know, I I think I told you the Mark Benioff story, you know, Mark is famous. He's famous for, and I want to say this in a very positive way, because I, because I believe this to be very positive. Um, This is not saying this is where Mark gets his talent, because I'm not saying that, but Mark is famous for being served at a restaurant. And, and just being so happy and thankful and enamored about how a server handled, um, the, 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 um, the, the menu and the suggestive selling and the service and the anticipation of needs that he has numerous times given a card and said, please call this person. We'd like to hire you. Um, so, so I think executives are always trying to find a way to give back and to get the freshest talent because people have so many incredible ideas and they're so stifled with, I didn't go to that big school or I don't know that person. Ask, yeah, literally just ask, reach out and ask. I say no a lot, but I will always know somebody to put you in contact with who may have a little bit more time or is more heavily aligned. No, look, I love that. And I, and I think that's such an important topic is to not be afraid to ask for help or to be able to, you know, the doors don't automatically open. You have to knock on those doors yourself. And again, I think the more that people 
hear stories like this um, gives them some encouragement to, to take those steps because it isn't easy. But once no. you do it, it's like anything. It's, you know, you get better at it. And the more doors that you could knock on and you never know what's on the other side. Um, but it does bring me to our next topic. And that is, I would love to shift and talk about a toxic work environment. I know this is something you navigate, you know, very well. And many people, and I'm sure many of our listeners um, are in situa a situation where they are in a, a toxic work environment. Please talk about this, uh, the importance of it, and how one might be able to navigate through. So <clears throat> obviously, you know, this is, is a hard discussion in, in a two-minute time frame, okay? Here's a few things. How do you realize it first, okay? Um, the first thing is understanding if you're in a toxic work environment, what does it look like? It's chaotic. Um, it is um, never graceful. It's never gracious. There's, there is a thankless attitude, no matter what you do. <clears throat> there is no upward mobility. There is um, a bunch of unnecessary meetings. There are harsh faces. Go around, look at everybody's face. Is everybody happy? Are they smiling? Are they, are they at least neutral? Are they at least neutral? Now, once you have, once you're in it and you're like, oh, wow, this could possibly be toxic. I like to do, I call a rip review. And what this is, is it's generally five things that I can actually talk to my boss about. So in my next one-on-one, -on -one, I cover their agenda. So I make sure that they know what I'm doing and how, how it's going. And if there's anything, I signal early, is there anything you need help in whatever. And then I say to them, Roger, you know, I've been really considering my tenure here at so-and-so. I feel like I've done a great job in these three areas and that I need extreme improvement in these areas over here. What do you think? And don't talk, don't help them. This is your boss. Do not talk. And you will see the leaders will say, I am so glad you brought that up. That is an excellent topic. So right now I'm not prepared to discuss this, but can we discuss this on your next, on your next review, on your next one-on-one? -on -one? And, and you're like, great, this is awesome. That is a person who's going to help. Whether what, what kind of help they're going to do, we don't know. If they look at you blank and they have no idea what you're talking about and they said, you know, you know, I think you're doing this well and I think this is okay over here too. And I'm not really sure, you know, have you thought of something online or have you looked at something that, you know, outside of, I don't know that we actually offer that here. That is a manager, that is a boss, okay? That means you have to be incredibly smart about your next move. What does that look like? Does that look at your own company moving over, doing a lateral position, interviewing somewhere else, or mentoring yourself and finding those people outside of your company that are going to pull you into the next level? Now, one of the things I want to say about this is that I, I'm going to go back to kind of the other subject that we were talking about. When you ask, when you ask, please perform, please, please perform. Can I tell you how many times people have asked me for a promotion? Can I tell you how many times I've talked to executives this year that have said they begged, I got letter after memo, after email, after asking for this promotion. And now they're in this promotion that I've offered them and they are doing nothing. They are not performing. If you ask, please get approval from the person that you are, are, are reporting to, that you are following their line of, and not measurement of success, which I'll talk to you about in a second that you're following their line of thought leadership. So you are making yourself improve. However, you are following their trajectory of what they're hoping for you in this position. Okay. Make sure your measurement of success, I want to get promoted and I want to make $20,000 a year, meets their trajectory of success. Make sure it's, I don't really care about how much money I'm making. I really cared about the title so I can move somewhere else and be VP, Okay. I don't really care about what that is. I need to be an individual contributor because I need to be home at four o'clock with my kids. Understand your own measurement of success. And, and Roger, if I can stress this so much, people say it's money, it's revenue. People go, if I'm making more money, if I have a better title, um, if I'm recognized, understand what Pandora's box each one of those things open for you. More money is more time at the office, 
more time away from your children, more time managing, more time getting those 10 o'clock at night phone calls. Understand more recognition means more visibility, which means more eyes on your work. So it needs to be stellar and complete. Follow up and follow through. So if you're in a toxic work environment, when I'm having this conversation and I'm like, hey, Roger, it was really, really great talking to you. Thank you for giving me these suggestions. Put it in writing. Be thankful, be graceful, and be very clear. Thank you so much for having these conversations about my promotion, about my next one-on-one, and about outside resources. I'm looking so forward to talking to you on December 27th. I'm very excited. Please let me know if I missed anything on this email. Add or delete whatever you'd like. And thank you again for taking the time. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. No, and I, I, I can totally relate to all of these tips. And again, you learn these types of tips by making mistakes, by someone sharing. So I'm so glad because this is this this advice um, would cost you know quite a bit, I'm sure, if someone did a one-on-one uh, session with you. So thank you for sharing that because that's yeah. that's invaluable to our audience. Um, Want to cover a couple more topics here in our time. So one of the things that I think a lot of people can relate to is how the heck do we connect with those from other generations? So, you know, like me, I'm, so I'm 52 and how do I connect with those that are Gen Z or millennials? Um, you know, um, and, and how do these people connect differently in the workplace? Help us through some of this. Cause I, I know that you, know a lot about this subject and there's a lot of confusion about uh, about how to relate you know and and how to connect with people at different age levels so when i do a, maybe a, a dei audit or when i do a culture audit or when i do when i'm hired to do a talent strategy or if i'm hired to um to coach the the top level so the c suite okay this is my number one thing and it's hysterical because it is not one time in my life ever gone smoothly. The C-suite says, we're all on the same page. And I'm like, awesome. And then I meet with all of them and they're all different. Very me- Their messaging is just not there. Um, so millennials are very, very different than Gen Z or Gen X. Last year we were doing a, um, I, was, I was coaching a, a C-suite woman for a Fortune 100 company. Okay. And she was, I won't even repeat the things that she was saying. She was beside herself. Okay. And she's like, I just offered somebody a hundred thousand dollars in a new title. And they said, can you talk to me about how much more vacation time I'm getting? And I was like, oh, it was a millennial. And she was like, yeah, how'd you know? Okay. Understand each, I hate to say age group. Okay. Each generation, let's say that each Mm -hmm. generation understand their values, their purpose, and their, their morals. But before you do that, before you understand those three things, understand what motivates them. Mm. Millennials are not motivated by money or titles ever. My kid, my kid got out of college and got offered a hundred thousand dollar job where she could take her dog to work and all this other stuff. And she said, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I want to be tied to one job and one office. And I'm like, Okay. And for us, we would have been like, we wouldn't, we would have been like, where do I sign? Right. Where I'm not leaving. Okay. Like I'm going to bring my refrigerator here. Like, yes, 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 yes. Cause if I leave, you may change your mind. Okay. She could not have been more disinterested. Hmm. She cared about how much travel how that she could do. So how much vacation time, how much would she have to work while she was on vacation? Because she wanted to be, I don't know, freedom or something. I don't even, I don't even know. Um, <clears throat> so Understand the value of what people value. So we do this when we put together perks and benefits. So this is very complicated for a company because a company has, let's just, let's just call it the 40 and 50 year olds. Okay. And then they have the 20 and 30 year olds. And then they have the ones that are coming in for internship. Those people, like when you talk to somebody, my daughter, my kids don't know what a pension is. Hmm. My kids don't know what profit sharing is. They have no, we barely know what that is right? Because our parents did that at the factory or at the school or at the, so we barely know what that is. So when we talk to them, you get paid forever to do what? Wait, how do you, how do you do that? They don't understand what it looks like. They're also too, we barely understand crypto. We barely understand blockchain. 
we, we are, we are constantly educating ourselves. Them, they're like, oh, boom, 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 boom. Companies always think that the, the perks are going to cost them so, so much money, but if they were delivering and developing the right perks for people, they would actually um, save 27% because our age doesn't care about um, unlimited vacation time because we don't take it in our heads. It's unethical in our heads. We're, we're not doing something right. We're not there for our company. Okay. So we could, we wouldn't benefit from that. We would benefit for with, with a bonus, we would benefit with something else that would be better healthcare or maybe something towards our, our quarterly HSA where the millennials are like, what's an HSA? Like, I, I don't care. I don't even need insurance. Can I have that money? Cause I, so we have to do a better job in figuring yeah. out purpose and passion and motivations. And we don't ask the questions because companies are like, how would I do that with 300,000 people? Or how would I do that with a hundred thousand people? You start with one group. I don't know. How do you pay 300,000 people? Right. How do you benefit 300,000 people? This is not complicated. Don't make it bigger because you don't want to do it or because you're afraid of it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you for that because every single organization is going through a lot of these uh, you know, questions and, um, and, and that, that really frames it nicely. Um, I have a question for you and I want to get your true response to this. What do you think, Steph, about work-life balance. <laughs> you must have read the Forbes article. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not popular with this, but I think work-life balance is utter crap. Um, having balance in your life means that each one of the things that you hold dear and important are the exact same equal weight at the exact same equal time. So your daughter being home this week is just as important as an unsatisfied customer at your bank. It's not true. Now, now when she's away at school, the customer may be the most important thing. And when she's, and when she's home, your daughter may be the most important thing. Okay. But right now, the way that our lives are and all of the different turmoils and chaos that we're facing every single day to have balance is ridiculous. We need to have harmony. Because if we have harmony, all things that we prioritize, love, adore, you know, that are purposeful to us, all of those things can remain absolutely purposeful, but they are harmonized. So everything is not equally important at the exact same time. Got it. So I get it, but at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, isn't harmony and balance about the same thing? What's the difference between the two? Just to take it a little bit deeper. Yeah, sure. So balance again is if you think, you know what I always think of? What's the, Roger, what's the scale, the um, attorney scale? What's the, I can't think of the name where the, the, there's flat plates on each side and they go like this. Oh, um, yeah, I can't I think of the name of it, but you know what I'm talking about? The yes. scale that, okay. So you put the, the, whatever it is on each side, it has to be down to where they're placed. So say you put a pound here and a pound there, but the pound is in the middle and the pound is over here. The scale will, no matter how slight, right. it will, it'll move. Harmony is it's constant flow. It's an ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. So, so I can say to you, um, Roger, this podcast is absolutely amazing. But if my son walks in the door and his nose is bleeding and there's blood all over the place, are you less important than my son is at that time? Yeah, I, it's, I get it. it. So, so you have to just, you wouldn't feel less important to me if I said, gosh, Roger, can you hold on one second? My son's nose is bleeding. I take care of that for a second. And I come back. If it was balanced, I would be like this. I would be like, so what it's was that question? Counter, balance could be counterproductive. That's exactly right. It's, it. it's, it's okay. not real. It's just, there are certain times where everything is not as chaotic. Mm-hmm. Everything is not as up in the air or uncertain where you can kind of move towards a balance. You're like, yeah, I know what time my wife's going to be home for dinner. I know what clients I've got going on. I know my daily podcast routine. It is much more balanced, mm-hmm. but then you throw in all the kids coming home in December, you throw in a merger or an acquisition, you throw in a layoff, you throw in all, you can't talk about balance. That's unfair. And it's unreal. And people try to meet those expectations yeah. and, and feel so down that they can't get balanced. I, I just did this post 
um, a few weeks ago that was basically like the questions that we ask of the people that we love are so important like that. My husband is so disengaged. He's not even thinking about us. His kids are all home and he doesn't even care hours and hours at the office again. In order not to stress her out because he's a sole provider in order not to blow up their time together, he hasn't told them that they're downsizing. He hasn't told them that he's trying to save his job. He hasn't told them that they're closing where he works and he's trying to do everything to not bring this home to his family. Balance is, is, is a bad thing for people to constantly, constantly perpetually try and achieve because they constantly feel as though they fail. Brilliant again. And thank you for clarifying that. Now I have a good visual. Okay. So a couple of last questions before we let you go. And this has been, we're going to have to do this again because I, yeah, I, I have sure. like 10 more questions, <laughs> uh, but we'll do that another time. So yeah. uh, we, we are still living in very uncertain times. How do we lead through the times of panic and uncertainty as leaders? How do we do it? So I tell the leaders that I coach all the time, I go in and I say, bad news doesn't get better with time. Information without application is noise. If we can fall in the middle of that, if we can lead in humility, leaders believe they need to know all of the answers at the exact time they're posed the question. It's not true. Leaders need to be articulate. They need to be kind. They need to be empathetic. They need to be able to hear, to understand, not to respond. Once those things happen for leaders, I think that it's, it's, you know what I always say? Um, I don't use like, I don't use Snapchat or like Instagram or any of those things, but there's these filters. So like, I can like look like absolute crap in the morning and then I get a filter and it's like, Oh, look at you. Great. This is just so great lipstick. This is amazing. Um, I think that once you tell a leader news, good, bad, indifferent, uncertain, whatever it is, they have this beautiful filter of, of grace and calm and humility to be able to message that message or that information without panic, chaos, and fear. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'll tell you, let me, let me, I'll just tell you, you know, who I think did a beautiful job of this. And, and I, I say this, I probably said this on 30 podcasts. I think Brian Chesky did the most beautiful layoff in all of history. What man holds a meeting with every single individual and says, this is where we are. This is what I would like to do. And this is what I'm going to do for you. Okay. So everybody, if, 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 if all the, if the revenue came back up and if the pandemic didn't happen, everybody was going to get their jobs back. But until then, but until then you get benefits for six months, you get your paycheck for six months, you get your laptop outright. Okay. To, to take with you, we are going to, um, we are going to hold, have an internet site where each one of your managers, direct reports, everybody else is able to write a recommendation for you. And then we're going to publish that by saying, here are some of our key talent that we are unable to keep right now in uncertain times, but are amazing. And we would love to welcome back if we, if we get out of this mess. Hmm. Okay. No one was mad. He laid off a lot of people. I can't remember what it was. I don't know if it was 15 or 20%, but it was a ton. Nobody was mad. The and thought, look, the care, the yes. grace, the, the help, here's career people for you. Here's a website for you. Here's your computer for you. The resources that he set up to do those type of things, that is leadership. Yeah. And I have to say one other word that comes to mind in, in addition to that leadership is integrity. Yeah, there's for not, sure. There's not too many people. I mean, I would say one out of several thousand that might do what he did. And man, what a great story. It's a, it's a great life lesson for leaders to hear that story. So Stephanie Malik, this has been... A great conversation, but like I said, I don't want it to end here. We need to do one in person at some point and we will. Yes. Um, but before I let you go, I ask every guest this question and you still have a lot of life to live, but I would love to know at this point in your life, what do you want your legacy to be? 
you know, this is, this is, um, I feel like I was saying this before it was like the cool thing to say. So I'm kind of like a little mad at people stealing my stuff. Like, you know, like Richard Branson and all those people that stole my stuff. Like they're so annoying. Um, I feel like I've been saying this for so long in, in just different, different ways. I want to inspire and impact so many people to believe in themselves. Leaders talk about themselves so much. Leaders are saying, I do this and I am this and I don't like to talk about me. I like to talk about how I make you feel. So if I am able to make you feel special, to make you feel worthy, to make you feel strong, to make you stand out as a, and, and believe in your key differentiators to, to be the leader that you are supposed to be, I want to inspire, I want to impact, and I want to make every single person in my life feel special. I only care about being a mom and going as busy as my mom was. My, my little one is 12 and he's been in 22 countries. Okay. My oldest one is, is 27 and she's been in 38 countries and there's two in the middle. So, so they have seen and done and explored so much, but they will tell you. And I heard my daughter saying this the other day, I didn't go on one field trip from kindergarten until my scene through my senior year that my mom wasn't there. I worked every prom. I was at every single game. I was at every recital because they are my legacy. Awesome. Stephanie Malik, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to know you and our friendship has just begun. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. And it's been such an incredible honor. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.